0: I think the people of this country have had enough of experts. The science has If you changed. count the legal votes, I easily win. We well. short it is time to get Brexit, Brexit. Yeah, well, right, down.
1: This candle like smells like my vagina. I shouldn't be up somewhere. here. What? I should yeah, be back, back in, in school on the I other side, side of the ocean. What the fuck is going on? Part of the ACAST Creator Network and also available on Patreon.
0: Hello, I'm Mark Still. Welcome to my podcast where each week I ask the question, oh, what the fuck is going on? What the fuck is going on? One argument that you always used to hear from people who said we shouldn't accept refugees was, I don't suppose you'd have one in your house? And what they might have misunderstood is that people felt that as a society, we should welcome refugees. So to suggest they stay at your house is like saying to someone who supports the National Health Service, Oh, you think we should look after the sick, do you? Well, I don't see you offering to operate on someone's liver in your living room. If you support the funding of libraries, they'll complain, I don't see your kitchen full of books about steam trains and how to grow tulips arranged in alphabetical order. For many years, British governments insisted that we couldn't take any more refugees because the British people won't accept them. And politicians competed with each other as to who hated refugees the most, making speeches such as, Millions come from Eastern Europe just to use our NHS because entire populations of towns would leave Bulgaria so they could go to A&E in Peterborough and take selfies on the x-ray machine. If the government had ever encouraged people to register for a scheme with refugees, they'd have gone, register online to come to Folkestone and scream at a refugee as they arrive in a dinghy. You will be allotted your own personal immigrant. Then you can scream, go home you freeloading fucking cockroach, at them, with the satisfaction that you have done something worthwhile. So you would expect our government in this situation to go, it simply isn't helpful when someone is desperate for somewhere to live to give them somewhere to live. After all, eventually they will want to go back to Ukraine and rebuild everything. And if they need any help, well, (laughs) they're right next door to Poland. So that's ideal. They've got plenty of builders and plumbers and everything you could ask for. But now the government has been pressurised into appealing for people who will take a refugee from Eastern Europe into their home. And already over 150,000 people have registered. So now some people complain, Never mind Ukraine, what about our own poor and homeless? But often these are the same people who don't like paying for our poor and homeless either, moaning, I should make an effort and get a job. There's plenty of jobs in Ukraine. Like fighting in the army. Why don't they go and do that? Too bloody lazy. Their complaint seems to be we should moan about our sponging parasites, not foreign ones. If we let people in from abroad, we've got to scream about both lots. I haven't got time for all that extra screaming. Cynical people often assume that there must be a selfish motive. Perhaps they think the scheme to take in refugees is a scam. Maybe because you can register a Ukrainian as a guide dog and that entitles you to get a free ramp put in your house. But it seems that if you give everyone the opportunity to be compassionate, many people will want to take part. So now all of a sudden, even the government has had to make out that they like refugees. Michael Gove, when he was asked if he would personally use the scheme to offer a room to a Ukrainian refugee, said he is seeking to see what I can do. Oh, no! Some poor sod will arrive here having had his street demolished and within two days he'll be on the phone to Ukraine. i want to come back. He comes down in dressing gown and dances in kitchens so horrible. So before long, there'll be such a demand for Ukrainians that some people will get jealous, saying the people who live at number 25 have an upstairs Ukrainian and a downstairs Ukrainian. And the Hendersons have a holiday Ukrainian in Cornwall for the summer. All right for some, isn't it? Now, something that always seems to happen in a war is that, as well as the atrocious behavior, you see the most amazing humanity and courage, like the journalist on Russian TV who spoke out against the war. And the most unlikely people do something brilliant, like Arnie Schwarzenegger's address to Russians, where he talks about a weightlifter who was his Russian hero, and Arnie's links with Russia, and how Russians are being lied to, for example, when Putin claims he's trying to denazify Ukraine, even though. The president is Jewish. Maybe we'll have our British version of this. Danny Dyer will make a video addressing the Russian people. I'm a fan of Russia. Or is it Japan? One of them places out there. What's the one with the furry hats and a funny dance in that one? Anyway, listen up, you muppets. That Putin's having a laugh, giving it all that, saying he's getting with the Nazis when the president's a 4 b 2 You work that out. Sort it! Now, as I said, the government has introduced a scheme encouraging people to take in Ukrainian refugees for £350 a month. And it's lovely that some people think this is very, very welcome news, especially this woman who I heard in a cafe the other day.
1: Well, I heard Richard Madeley on Good Morning Britain say we're all supposed to get a Ukrainian and then the government gives you £350 a month. So we wrote to the council to claim our money because we've had hundreds of Ukrainian nannies over the years, but they refused to backdate it. And I thought, we're going to have to get a new one then. So I said to our nanny, Desislava, I'm afraid you're Bulgarian and they don't pay anything for you, so we're going to have to get rid of you. Our daughter Nectarine asked if we can get one from the rescue centre and I said, well, you'll have to look after it better than you looked after your goldfish. You can't just flush a Ukrainian down the toilet. And Tara from the spin class said that there are lots of them in Calais. So her and Colin went down there to see if they could get one and it's awfully bad luck because now there's this ferry business and they can't get back. So they've had to take the Eurostar to Paris and spend the weekend there, which is terrible news for Colin because he's head of marketing for Pringles across the whole of the Reigate area, and he's under enormous pressure because they've stopped selling them to Russia for some reason. And then I saw this Ukrainian woman on the telly, and she's the one who's crying, and I thought, well, sorry, but you should try being in my shoes. But that's the trouble with people. It's just me, me, me. Excuse me, is a sandwich suitable for Ukrainians?
0: What the fuck is going on? Well, as anybody knows who has ever tried to work out what the fuck is going on, you've got to have utterly expert advice. Well, this week I am so honoured to have with me someone who gives me expert advice in all manner of different ways Shapi Kosandi hello everyone else has to call you chaparrat now don't they but I I've...
2: know I've made a fuss I made a fuss and I can't go back on it now I have people that have known me for 20 years tiptoeing around my name
0: so yes. Iran is what we're gonna is what we're gonna talk about and the
2: only time I ever get booked for anything
0: mm. that's a joke. Sorry. Specifically, because there's, uh, there's not always lot of cheery things come out of Iran. Not always, no. But this week there was, and I, I found myself sort of stood in your kitchen with various people from ITV and Sky, and I don't know, NBC and Fox News, and I don't know who else was there, because a rather splendid thing happened.
2: Yes, a brilliant thing happened. So Naznin Zaghari was a hostage in Iran for six years. I'm going to stop saying prisoner. Yeah, she, she was, was a hostage. hostage. And uh, she was finally released the other day, and I, I still haven't slept. I, I'm still Yeah, you were, it was
0: very, very brilliant having watched someone who sort of campaigned and uh, who had done benefits and all the things and all the sort of worries, and you got to know uh, her husband very well. Uh, and so it was a brilliant thing that something went right.
2: Yeah, because you came round the day that she, um, I heard that she had her passport given back to her, mm. and rather than fill me with jubilation, that sent me into a pit of darkness, because yeah. I spoke to Richard, and he said, we're not going to get excited yet. They have, but we've been here before, where they've given us hope and they've snatched it away, and what was really... The dark place I went to was, are they going to be that cruel? Would they be that? They would be that cruel. Because, I mean, it's preposterously cruel to have had her there for six years anyway. I will never cease to be flabbergasted at the outrageousness of that regime. And I, I, I was like, if they don't let her out... After giving her her British passport out, I'm going to have to go there myself.
0: Well, there's a lot. There's quite a few things here that I think are well, sort of worth thinking about beyond just uh, them being horrible. First of all, yeah. like. For them, it must have been very different from anyone because everybody else who's even if partly followed it is just like, oh, this is marvellously joyful and so on. Mm. And I was thinking, oh, it should be like uh, at the end of I'm a Celebrity, there should be like Ant and Dex should be there and all ticker tape going <laughs> down. And Oh, Naz, you were just amazing and you've had some difficult times in there. Or oh, there was a little bit of tension between you and some of the Islamic revolutionary Guards. but let's have a look at your best bits. And that's, uh, but to them, they didn't, because you were sort of wondering whether to go up to if. Bryce Norton, weren't you?
2: Well, the thing is, um, I, I did, because I didn't know, I thought, because I'm an idiot, I thought she'd be flying in on Iran Air to Heathrow.
0: Yeah, well, I thought that. I thought, <laughs> God, I, they, did, did, oh, she might even be able to have a beer because it would be an Iranian <laughs> no. airline.
2: I was just imagining her in economy with all the other, um, I was going to say all the other comics, all yeah. the <laughs> other passengers. Have you
0: been on holiday long? Yeah. Six beautiful. years. Oh, <laughs> you must do a really good job if they give you that much time off yeah, work. Yeah,
2: so I, I said to Richard, look, if you're going to get, it's going to be swamped at the airport if you want any friendly faces there let me know and it was like I don't know it's a completely different place but it was I it's very sweet of you to say that I campaigned I do I really didn't do much at all other than I guess be a bit of a mate and and help put on a benefit but I was terrible in so many ways looking back now because um I think I actually said to Richard at one point in the midst of it all um because Obviously, I care very deeply, but I find the, the the seriousness and the trauma of it was so overwhelming that I think I said at one point, "I know me being on I'm a Celebrity isn't exactly the same <laughs> thing," but I did, and I did raise a smile out of him, and I I said, "I can't wait until we can have a giggle," because there was times when I was such a bad friend and a bad campaigner. He was on hunger strike in February, I think it was. Um it was yeah. in the winter months yeah, yeah, and I hadn't day kept day. I hadn't kept up with the news and I hadn't kept up with the campaign and I phoned him because it was half term or something to see if we can get our girls together, as we sometimes did. And I didn't know he was on hunger strike. So I went, Hello and he goes, Hello, hello, And I said, How are you doing? He goes, Well, it's very chilly. I was like, Is it? And I was like, Why is he telling me about the weather? <laughs> And I said, what are you up to? And he goes, well, obviously in the tent, it's cold at night. Because his family are from Hampshire, I just went, oh, were you in the New Forest camping? And he went, um, no, I'm on hunger strike. And I went, I knew that. And he went, you didn't, did you? But you tried so hard to And you were ringing up out. to
0: ask him round for dinner, weren't yes, you? Yes,
2: I was going to say, do you want to go to Kew Gardens again? Um and he was—he just laughed and said, "You—it was—it was just funny watching you trying to style it out." It was funny
0: if he'd come round, oh. well, he'd never eat a thing. I know, utterly the <laughs> insolence of it. I went all that trouble, made a specially Iranian thing for him, just fucking sat there. Well, this- as someone I overheard once might say, "It's just me, me, me." With some people now, this is this is a big important point, mm. Boris Johnson. Now. If I'm honest, mm. I've gone off him a little bit over the last fifteen years. Now one of the he played a, a part in this, of course, because he was Foreign Secretary yeah. at the time when he was given the job of well, as foreign secretary, you're supposed to be keeping your citizens safe and all that, and with one of your citizens have been taken hostage. Now, before I get to that, this is one of the things that if you step back from all of this, so this was all an argument in the end about four hundred million pounds that Britain it was said to and accepted uh, owed Iran over a deal involving tanks. Uh, nobody now is saying that Nazanin was a, a spy. As far as I can tell, even the Iranians aren't really. Even the no, Iranian no, government I, is barely saying that no, it was not, all they're about not saying the money
2: it at all. They're not saying it at all. They. I think the charge that they put on her when her five-year sentence was up was that she's sort of darkening Iran's name during her campaign. So there has been nothing to say. Even the Iranian government has said this is all about the money owed. And the money owed, because Britain was saying we owed that to the Shah's regime. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And these guys were going, no, no, you owed that to... Iran, so give it back, and they they uh, they found it at the back of the sofa eventually didn't they
0: they did so it was there all along, so but' before come to that just that so uh, nobody now is claiming that she was anything other than a completely innocent hostage who mm. just went to Iran got came back at, taken at the airport, had done nothing wrong at all, not even in the eyes of the Iranian and you don't have to do much to do wrong in the eyes of the Iranian government, sing a song or do it, but that's too much Mm. and so she's just and she's been in jail for six years because of that while all of these officials just argue about money and no point has any of them gone for fuck's sake there's someone in jail here who's missing their family they're just and i can imagine the foreign office yes well i think this is rather you know a bit of a bit of an upsetting situation Mm. but there we are no point in making a fuss of it not doesn't do to dwell on it
2: um absolutely and also it wasn't just Nazanin. There were others yes, in there, yes, yes. but but you know she had a small child, and it was m- more of a media story. And the callousness with which they looked at it was unreal. And the fact that Richard didn't listen to the Foreign Office when they told him several times it's best that our Foreign Office. I mean, obviously, it's best that you don't make a fuss. And he was like. Um, but I'm gonna, and they were like, no, 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 I don't think you should be campaigning quite so vigorously because it might, and giving him all these like reasons not to, that it's been in the hand, we're looking after it. And he was like, no, I'm going to keep doing this. And thank goodness he had the the courage to do that. Yeah.
0: Because it's quite I, a thing. Didn't they say, don't make a song and dance? <laughs> we yeah. should just stop <laughs> Right. Well, it seems that she's been in jail for some years, and you know, she's not going to see her. Not going to see her wife and, and her daughter and everything. But um, you know, the best thing: not to make a song and dance. We've over the years we've felt that song and dance. The fucking foreign office who like invade places. Yes, but we try to invade them quietly without making a song and dance. Yeah. And and that is in a way that is it's the biggest question in life, isn't it? Like yeah. when something bad happens, do you or do you not make a song? and dance and if he hadn't made a song and dance she'd probably still be there wouldn't she
2: and also for for her sake and for his sake for their mental well-being they needed to speak up they couldn't what would have what would have happened to them they would have been they would have been crushed if they had to be quiet she might not have survived do you see what I mean? Like,
0: yeah, 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 you're you in don't prison know, in yeah. Iran,
2: and and so and the country, your country, isn't doing anything to help you, and your partner is not being permitted to speak publicly about what's going on for you. So you feel utterly forgotten. And what's that going to do to your psychology? It's going to be, it's going to be yeah, really yeah, hard. Yeah. But one thing I found really interesting is um, with Richard. Including myself, so many have said he's been so stoic. Right. He's been so dignified, and I think he's in our in the British culture. The fact that he hasn't gone ah publicly, yeah, 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 yeah. Like, yeah. Well done, him. He managed to bottle it over the camera. Yes, yeah. We're actually, he's well within his rights to have gone on a podcast or a TV show and said everything under the sun about Boris Johnson when it, but he well done you, you've kept it together and that's what's very good. Your wife's been in prison and you haven't lost your temper and that's the main thing.
0: uh, And Boris Johnson did make a difference because when he was Foreign Secretary, he went to the Iranian diplomats to discuss the issue and said to them, clearly not having read even the headline of the Mm. whatever brief he's given, Boris Johnson then said, to them that she was innocent she was just a journalist working in the area which she wasn't she was a project manager as Mm. we know and she was nothing to do with journalism or anything he said
2: she was teaching journalism she was
0: teaching journalism absolute nonsense which was so that's not that's a sort of different level of that's not malice in a direct malice from boris johnson that's just incompetence heaped upon the the malice so (laughs) that's He's made it worse, and of course they then use that to go see, see. So that's like a lawyer. That's like l- Boris Johnson was a lawyer. Oh, I, yes, marvellous news. I'm, uh, I've dealt with your speeding fine, and you've now. I've told them that you've actually carried out a series of robberies, and you've now got to do fifteen years uh, instead.
2: And also, that monumentally brutal gaff shows his lack of education about that part of the world as well. So anyone who has any interest in British politics would know about the relationship of Iran and Britain and how far it goes and how complex it's been, particularly since the um, the late 40s. But he knows nothing about that. He doesn't know that the job of, of journalism in Iran has a very, very different weight to it than it does here. Like... Um, you know, he thinks of journalism as his bloody column in The Times or Telegraph or whatever yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He doesn't understand that yeah. the Iranian government go gunning for journalists, you know, like the journalists who had to flee the regime along with the Shah's politicians and, you know, and all other kind of dissidents. So journalists are, are viewed by the Iranian government as the enemy unless they go toe to toe in line with their... Ideology.
0: Yes. So to yeah, not yeah, yeah. fucking
2: understand that, I'm not stoic. <laughs> to not fucking understand yeah, yeah, that yeah. basic, just not to be educated enough to understand that difference with countries in your own fucking profession shows a serious lack An of uh, clearly, intelligence.
0: Yes, this is the last issue. Yes. But a very important one. Yes. So Tulip Sadiq, who was uh, Nazanin's MP... Who's been brilliant and Who's been brilliant yeah. uh, on this. And she said in the House of Commons that Richard Ratcliffe has raised the bar very, very high. <sighs> so this is a problem, isn't it?
2: I think it was within hours of her release that I did go, so Mark... <laughs> How long would you wait for me? And and you know, I've thought that al- along the way, but I didn't want to say it while she was still in there. I thought it was inappropriate to talk about
0: that sort what, of thing. What you wondered if I would? I wondered if, I, if, if it would get to four years, and I'd go, oh, fucking ass, long, and I've done me bit.
2: Uh, I mean, you know, and then you said, and you got a bit like, no, I'd wait for you. And then you went, um, and then you went, um.
0: <laughs> I don't think I was probably going um because the kettle was boiling. I don't think I was going um because I was thinking, calculating the amount of time. Very... I don't think I could do the hunger strike, though. I'd do something like uh, go uh, a week without shepherd's pie or something like that.
2: But would you get used to me not being around, though? Because you're away a lot as it is, we're away from each other a lot as it is. Would you just suddenly? I'm not remember? sure
0: I'd go that. Uh, I'm not sure I'd think. Since Shappy for where has she been? Oh yeah, she's in jail, you know.
2: But w- if you put on a benefit for me, who'd you get to do the benefit?
0: <laughs> oh God, imagine if a comic, if a comic was, you'd think. Oh no, if they find out I've got them, and they think, what do you got that? Fucking useless idiot! For. And
2: who said no to doing it? <laughs> who who was too busy to do it? Who wanted to spend? Oh time no, with they
0: cancelled at the last minute because <gasps> they got a corporate.
2: Oh, you know, they'd be dead to me. Tell me, tell me, if I ever get kidnapped, tell me what fucker cancels the benefit because they've got a corporate, please, because they'll be dead to me.
0: Absolutely. Also, we've got to be careful, despite all the joy about this, because we you can be certain that Pretty Patel is already trying to work out a way of getting her deported back to Iran. I just want to publicly say that if Nazanin's going away. Again, I'd suggest Bournemouth next time.
2: Or oh, Winchester.
0: Unlike with Kay Burley, you can tell us what people should come and see you on.
2: I'm starting at the Soho Theatre on the 21st of March, um, and I'm there all week and in April, and I'm touring all over. So come and see me there, and I'll be way, way more awake than I have been <laughs> in this interview.
0: Thank you, Shaperack. Sharpadak. Paddock. God's oh, sake. fucking hell, that's times? terrible. That's really bad. This week, the big story in some newspapers was that Katie Price has dropped her OnlyFans subscription price by 50%. Now, I'll be honest, I don't really understand OnlyFans, but luckily, we have with us someone who is an expert on the subject, deceased cricketer... Fred Truman. Well, I mean, these days, I mean, the kids, if they want to get aroused, they were German I and it only fans or whatever. I mean, I don't call that pornography. I mean, in my day, if you wanted to pleasure yourself, you swept up all the crumbs from a scotch egg and arranged them into the shape of a woman's chest and imagined it belonged to Princess Margaret. I mean, that kept you going until it started to go mouldy, but, I mean... Uh, you, mind a few spores in those days. I mean, you just got your head down and ploughed on. I mean, not like, no, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I mean, one lad, Chubby Battersby, he came in with a drawing of Betty Rubble from the Flintstones and they charged us one and threepence opening for a look. And I mean, he, he was caught by the headmaster and, I mean, he, he was fed to the school shark and, I mean, he didn't do that again, I can tell you that. I mean, I mean if you had a copy of the Littlewoods catalogue, an exorcist... "'would come round to your house "'and sprinkle holy water on the lingerie pages and "'till all the ink ran, "'and, I mean, you, you couldn't tell a pair of bloomers "'from a push-up bra, I mean. "'So we had to make do with the lawnmower section, "'but, oh, I mean, I mean "'there was some cracking bits of machinery. "'Oh, dear! "'I mean, my, my first-ever girlfriend "'with a fly more chevron! <laughs> "'But, I mean, eventually, yeah, "'I mean, well, she left me for the groundsman "'at Gloucester, I mean. "'She admired the way he handled the heavy rope run- All of those sums, I don't know, but I mean, I I got my own back. I mean, I took six for 31 with the new ball, so I had the last laugh (laughs) these days. I mean, oh, they can't be bothered. I mean, only fans, I I give up. What the fuck is going on? Podcastees, This is something that you will all wish to know, I'm sure. Uh, There are two huge... Benefits coming up for Ukraine. Well, there's probably hundreds of them, but I only know that... Well, I'm only going to mention the two that I'm on because uh, what are you doing going to bloody benefits for Ukraine that I'm not on? How is that going to help bloody anyone? On the 25th, of March I should be at the Shepherds Bush Empire and there's loads of other brilliant people John Robbins and uh, Andy Shappie and all manner of people whose names I can't quite remember right now and on the 30th at the Hammersmith Apollo as well uh, with Michael McIntyre no less and also I'm sure you're all fans and uh, lots of other people there's two nights there one of them is Romish Ranganath and Angela Barnes many people have been on this podcast and uh, are all going to be there And it's all gonna support Ukraine. And if that doesn't sort the situation out, nothing's going to, is it? So you should want to be part of that. Also, I have to tell you that the many, many people are now signing up to the Patreon version of this podcast. The first marvellous thing about this is there's no annoying... In fact, there's no adverts on it at all. And given that adverts are, by their nature, annoying, that is the whole point of them. If you didn't notice them, they wouldn't be there, would they? They are meant to be deeply irritating. So, the version without any of them is on Patreon. Also, if you sign up to Patreon, there are all sorts of extra things. In fact, I've been listening to some other podcasts and I realise I've been doing this wrong. What I should be saying is, for God's sake... Sign up to Patreon, your life depends on it. There are the most amazing, unbelievable, extraordinary things on there. I'm not even allowed to say because it would be contravening the Official Secrets Act. But I can hint that, for example, for those of you who like listening to Rory Bremner talking the other day, uh, there is the whole version of that that is a just spectacular. In fact, the bit that you heard was just terrible compared to this. It is magnificent with Rory Bremner doing so many unbelievable voices that you will just be utterly convinced they are all in the room, even when he does Napoleon and Joan of Arc. Uh, you'd think, my god, I thought that she died on a fire. But clearly it can't be true because there she is. I don't even know what she sounds like. Nobody does, but I'm sure it was like that. That's what you'll be thinking. There's also the whole chat that I had with Jeff Norcott, uh, which is on there, which is utterly fascinating. And there are going to be uh, all manner of things. The Rory Bremner one's going to be up later this week. Jeff Norcott's already on there. And there are bonus sketches in which Mike Concrete, who gently teases out opinions, he's on there, Fred's on there, and there is also George Galloway is on there this week. So please support this podcast and sign up to Patreon. You go on to... Oh, I don't know how you do it. Anyway, uh, you'll find a way. You're cleverer than me with that. Oh,
3: what the fuck is going on?
0: Now, lovely podcastees have sent in... All sorts of things that we should discuss what the fuck is going on with them. For example, W at W Warped. It's a a delightful name. Very kindly, you have sent in uh, something from the Braintree and Witham Times. It's an article that says, Rod Stewart fills potholes near his home in Essex. Bless Rod Stewart. I mean, it just occurs to me that he's he's not that philanthropic because he's doing the potholes near his home in Essex. If he really, really was that bloody good, he'd just fill in random potholes in other places like Peru and that. But no, he can only be bothered to do the ones near his home. But bless him for that. Rod Stewart, Sir Rod Stewart, has repaired potholes near his home in Essex since no one else could be bothered to do it, he said, and they don't allow for his Ferrari to get down the road. That is socialism in action, isn't it? When a multi-millionaire rock star ex, sort of with his you know, sort of bluesy style that he had at the beginning, no less sort of, you know, maybe he's getting in touch, keeping it real with that, wants to get his Ferrari down the road. And so he takes it upon himself to fill the potholes. Uh, now, also, it has been brought to our attention by At Smart UK that a Vladimir Putin and Kim Jong-un impersonator have got together to help a Zelensky look-alike flee Ukraine. Uh, this is true. Uh, like the Indy 100, so the I newspaper has got this headline. Oh, w- once again, we see this headline. How many times have you seen this? Putin and Kim Jong-un impersonators help Zelensky look-alike flee Ukraine. Uh, the three world leaders impersonators banded together to form an escape plan for Umid Izabev, the Ukrainian president's double, and they're all now trying to get across Europe in hiding. That is that is the, where we're at as a world now, not just if Britain is at a place where Rod Stewart is repairing our potholes, where we're at as a world is that impersonators of world leaders are now forming together in the plot of the most awful films that were made in about 2008, I would say. And I would imagine that that is going to be a film and Zelensky, the Zelensky double is going to be played by Adam Sandler and they'll be halfway across Poland and they'll get a train at last to get them to Austria. Uh, And then the the Zelensky doublers say, I can't go because he's fallen in love with the Angela Merkel lookalike. Now, this really dismays me. Dan at Greebling says, and well done for spotting this, Dan at Greebling. Mark, are you chuffed to hear that Farage has revealed via TikTok that he is a massive Palace fan? Dan at Greebling no, I am not chuffed. I am not chuffed to find that Farage has got anything to do with with me. In the same way that my favourite chocolate is a Kit Kat, if I found out that Farage also liked Kit Kats, that would sully every Kit Kat from now to the end of my life. And similarly, this is terrible. Of course, it's not good. And what? How can he support football, given that most all Premier League football teams have quite a lot of foreign players? Uh, I don't, uh, uh, I don't actually count that as a goal unless it was scored by someone who was British. These are foreign people coming over, scoring our goals, and quite frankly, we've had enough of it. So, um, no, I'm, I'm not pleased by it. Uh, but <laughs> at least Farage doesn't own the club, unlike a certain oligarch who uh, sort of owns Chelsea still. As we're doing this. This is almost to the credit of Chelsea. So they have had sanctions put on them because of their owners' links with, certainly with Russia and very much with Putin. And amazingly, like, so one of their, this is just one of of the sanctions put on them. They're not allowed to sell tickets. So they're playing Middlesbrough in the FA Cup. The game hasn't taken place at the time I'm doing this. So they then appealed to the Football Association to say it isn't fair. Because if we don't have our supporters up at the game and Middlesbrough have all their supporters, it's not fair on us. So Middlesbrough's fans shouldn't be allowed to go either. That's really not getting the sort of way punishment and sanctions work. If we're going to be sanctioned for having links with Vladimir Putin, everybody else should also be sanctioned for not having links with Vladimir Putin. That's not how sanctions work, you fucking entitled twat. Worse than that, a restriction has been put on the amount of money that Chelsea as a club are allowed to spend on... Away games on the travel to away games. Now, the restriction or the upper limit is £20,000. And in my naivety, I thought, oh, £20,000 to get to all their away games to the end of the season, well, that's enough, isn't it? I know they've got a couple of games in Europe, but they'll be all right. But no, it turns out it's £20,000 travel for each match. You can manage that, can't you? And now they've complained because the first match they can't manage, and that's the one at Middlesbrough. How can £20,000 not be enough to get your football team to fucking Middlesbrough? How do you normally travel to Middlesbrough? Do you bloody travel by flying carpets specially woven by fucking ecuadorian peasants out of flamingo feathers do you hire beyonce to push you in a wheelbarrow have you bought a load of planes that fly up there in a 433 formation to get you used to your bloody formation you're going to use in the game you fucking entitled pricks £20,000! People bloody go, oh, I've saved up £20,000. I'm going to travel around the world for seven years. I'll live in India for a couple of years and I'll go to Bangladesh and I might have to get... And you can't use that to get to bloody Middlesbrough and back. It's lucky you're not going anywhere really bloody expensive and exclusive like Sunderland. Whoa. Well, as anyone who's ever tried to work out what the fuck is going on will know, it's not possible unless you get people from all the different age groups that exist in the world helping you out with it, especially in times of global peril and war. And so I bred someone knowing that this sort of situation would arise, and he's with me here, Elliot Steele. Hello. Hello. How are you? I'm okay, and I know how you are, because we've been in the same house all morning. But you're uh, you're upstairs at the moment.
3: Yeah, thank you for taking in my package the other day. What was it? You ineffectively have done a drug deal. You you had no idea. What? Yeah. What's in it? I thought it was like some kitchen equipment. No, it was some weed. Where'd you get that? Well, off the internet. I thought it was an Amazon bloke.
0: Well, so did the Royal Mail. What, you've just got weed delivered through the post office? Yeah. The the Royal Post Office. The Queen is an accessory to delivering your your weed. I mean, what are they gonna do? Fucking arrest me? Yeah, I did
3: that. I absolutely yeah, totally did that. I think you should write to her.
0: And for fuck's sake, how many more times have I gone to have my name stamped? I haven't even personally
3: approved it. The way Charles does with his biscuits. Well cause the the problem the problem is is that uh the I, I don't really touch weed that much but i like every now and then after training because it just sort of relax it's really good to like help relax the muscles but all the weed in like you get from london is all chemically and stuff it's
0: all oh tell it to the judge i will so i
3: i i paid a little bit extra to get some stuff from california
0: what yeah when you buy weed you're supposed to go to the some dodgy flat where the curtains are drawn all day, and bang on the door at one in the morning, and some bloke comes out and goes, "No one's in, man." Until you, you go, oh, and you give them a name, and they go, oh. <laughs> "When you buy weed, aren't they supposed to you know, give you a little?" Yeah, I'll take this. This has just come in from Columbia. Well, no, it's a trust.
3: It's a trust based system, but like if you know people who do it and it's recommended to you, so there's people out there who use the internet and they use recorded delivery.
0: And then Right, so if it doesn't come, well, you know, I've on in good faith. I bought this on good faith, and legally now I am entitled because I've got the bloody thing that says that I sent it. Oh, they
3: will send you a new one if you if it doesn't show up. Oh, like Mark's and Spencer's. Yeah, it's not like Tesco where they go, Hey, we didn't have uh, weed in stock, but we have got heroin. <laughs> so uh, so take this instead. You go, Okay, that's a little bit harder. But you can order heroin on
0: it on the internet yeah 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 why not try our special home syringe service someone comes round and mainlines it for you for only 10% extra a perfect gift for christmas but i did i did want to apologise because i thought the other day oh i probably should have asked before i did this right and that's what's in the hall is it that big box how much weed in there there's half a fucking afghanistan in there calm down it's
3: just a few kilograms <laughs> That's, the you know, no, I'm trying <laughs> One of our producers, Pete, there, his face on the recording of that was actually serious. Like, you fucking what? It's got a street value of 18
0: million pounds.
3: No, I just got uh, uh, an eight ball, I believe. It What's that?
0: I know what it is in pool, but... 3.5 grams. Oh, right. That's not much, is it? See, that's why I can't. I haven't bought weed for so long. And now, if you have to buy it in metric, I'd go, I'd say, oh, a quarter. A, oh, what's that in grams? And I'd go, oh, fuck off. I can't be bothered converting it into grams. I'll just fucking. Well, what was it when you used to buy it? It was about eight quid for a quarter. What? Uh,
3: oh, but were you smoking Thai?
0: I don't know. I was just smoking some bits of sticks. It might have been stingy nettles, for all I know. Well, yeah, it's, it's a
3: little bit different now. You can. You can order, because I, I think, I, I, I don't really, I'm not really a big stoner or anything. Right. It's not really my, my. you know, <laughs> I used to do it, but it's, I, every now and I don't. I don't, I think people smoke it all the time or are incredibly boring. Right, do you
0: people think that that's going to be used as mitigating evidence against you when three minutes after this podcast goes out, a SWAT team comes smashing through the door? For fucking what? Ordering a bit of weed. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, I agree with you. It shouldn't be illegal. But then, you know, I think there's a number of things I think shouldn't be illegal uh, that probably are. I, I,
3: I've not, I've not told, I've not given any name. All <laughs> right. I've just said. How I you know did. the police I'm, are useless, sure that...
0: but even they can work out the name of you and me if they listen to this podcast. <laughs> oh, oh, shit, yeah. I didn't, now, we I didn't, haven't I didn't ever give actual actually given our name on this though. podcast at any point ever, have we? Oh, did, oh,
3: did, did, I, did I tell you <laughs> about the one time yeah, I tried to I tried to order um, – I tried to – I was speaking to this dude who, like, he buys stuff off the dark web. Like, he actually goes on the dark web, and he, he would buy, like, anything and everything. I was talking to him about it, about all. he has to, like, encrypt his IP address set up fire, all this mad stuff. And I went on the dark web onto a website, Silk Road, trying to do the same thing with the username, ElliotSteel1608. <laughs> he was just looking at me going, right, so you're just giving <laughs> your name and your birth date to, to strangers on the dark web. And I went, yeah, yeah, it wasn't a well thought through. No, I never even got
0: anywhere with it. I just went on to look and I was like, oh, oh my God. Even Colombo, You'd say you're not that Elliot still but... You registered as Elliot Steele. One more
3: thing. Why have you used your name, birthday, and social security number as. (laughs) But I've made this all up for comedic effect.
0: Yes, there's no weed here there's uh no there's just a rubber plant and some plants i don't know i don't know there's lovely plants i don't know what they're called but i buy them from the shop at the top of the hill they tell me what to do i forget i water them probably too much kill most of them and they're here and not once has any of them been smoked or injected. This isn't
3: illegal, is it?
0: This this isn't gonna get us all in trouble. Well we shall see. Nazanin's ah. out, there's a room in a jail somewhere. That needs filling, doesn't it? Right, okay, well let, if there's a knock on the door, I uh, will assume that instead of it being a Jehovah's Witness or someone like that like it normally is, or someone from round the corner saying, Oh, you know, have you seen who's been dumping rubbish opposite as you know, that now it'll be someone delivering fucking heroin with a street value of twenty five million quid. Allegedly. Elliot Steele. I also have my own
3: podcast, B-Tech Philosophers. In fact, you can go back and listen to my mate who ordered magic mushrooms on episode three. And uh, the police actually turned up to his door and, uh, and, he, and, and his mum was there and his mum his mum's Nigerian. So, yeah, she wasn't too pleased. My mate Mike, yeah, and they just walked in, and 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 all, all you have to do when this happens is go. Like, no someone's used my name and address; it's not mine. They can't prove it. And Mike went, "Yeah, I did it. I wanted help with creativity."
0: As if the police are going to go, well, if it's for your creativity, sir, then I don't see any problem, and I wish you well And if you could tell us when you're going to be performing these jokes that you have performed under influence of these illegal substances, then I shall get all the lads from the station to come down. <laughs> <laughs> Elliot Steele ladies and gentlemen Tech philosophers what the fuck is going on? thank you so much for listening to this podcast we are now available on Patreon so for £4 a month you can become a supporter and get ad free versions and bonus content Mike Concrete, George Galloway, Fred Truman and Rory Bremner Chats and Jeff Norcott. Uh, that's just £4 a month. If you've liked the podcast, then rate it. If you can be bothered, write a review. If you can't be bothered, please definitely write a review. If there is anything at all that you think I should be finding out what the fuck is going on with it, please send me a message on Twitter at WTF pod, and we will look at everything that is sent. What the Fuck is Going On was hosted by me, Mark Steele, with my guests Shaparek, Korsandi and Elliot Steele. Voices by Sarah Alexander. It was written by Mark Steele, James Seraphinwich, and Pete Sinclair. Music by Willie Dowling. It was edited by Emma Corsham and Podmonkey. What the Fuck is Going On is a co-production between Podmonkey and Consec Industries.